Humans of the world, welcome to our brand new podcast. Who are we? I'm Graham Henderson. I am Ali Henderson. Uh, we're here. Uh, this is called Fake Out. Uh, this is about politics. This is about culture. This is about what we're witnessing in the world today in 2020. This is about... Why are we here, Ali? Um, I feel like that all the answers to that are like really arrogant and condescending they like, are we're narcissists right like i i feel like i have a voice to add to the discussion like sh- shut the fuck up like, <laughs> sit down you don't have a voice to add to the discussion yeah. uh so i don't really know how to answer that but uh, people seem to like when we talk at them not everybody for sure <laughs> but uh so we've decided to turn that into we, a recording we have met had many requests and to talked at put them. it into the universe forever to be scrutinized and thrown back in our faces and ultimately probably yes. be our downfall correct yeah when that's I, excellent yeah. in 10 years someone will pull one of these recordings and undoubtedly and we're you know humans we're stupid randomly i, I yeah i'm very stupid i, <laughs> I know, I know about me being stupid all the time it happens all the time it's a shame anyways welcome to fake out <laughs> So, fake out episode one. Um, he said, I'm um, again, and then stop talking. That is a delicious habit for a podcast. Well, you can chop it out. I, right? I know, I know. Uh, that, yeah, we're just going to start talking. Uh, <laughs> and learning not to step on each other in conversation. Probably harder for me than you, but definitely something. Step on like, each other in my way, because I kind of like chirp in the background. Well, that's yeah, like no. Thing, right? like, yeah, you can definitely channel your inner John Lovett. Dope. <laughs> but i want to be the trans version of <laughs> that's awesome i love that for you but yeah no i just need to not come in over the top and um mansplain off the top rope should be jim rowdy uh yeah well <laughs> that, there's a charming <laughs> just talk over i'm also right? loud i need to get i uh yeah i tell even the way that my voice carries is obnoxiously effective well yeah i mean you have that that tone right like you have the resonance which yeah my tone resonates across the room i have that i'm (laughs) i gave that away (laughs) amongst other things and then i chemically castrated myself and uh now i talk like (laughs) this that's amazing (laughs) it's true true. (laughs) jk rowling welcome to the podcast yeah so uh fake out where does the name come from um it comes from being told that everything is fake that people reject and they don't like um, I've had that specifically thrown at me in criticism that I'm fake, that vaccines are fake, that viruses are fake, um, all kinds of fake stuff. So shout out to the haters and <laughs> I hate that word and also out because we're out and this is going to be pretty queer. Um, certainly our logo is queer. Ironically, Radically so. Ironically, might say. it's probably, uh, more of the haters that spurred this, uh, than, uh, the people that uh, I don't rent, think like, that's true. No. I don't think we would do this just for people that don't like us. No, but it, that it, would there be... is a there is a special deliciousness knowing that like if they ever listen to this, like it's this is exactly <laughs> what they told us not to do, and uh, now we're now we're doing it with a with an amplified voice. This has already gotten completely me. petty. We're, we're, four, <laughs> we're four minutes in and we're just petty. Yeah. As well, well, maybe that's our reason, right? We were looking for why are, we were looking for why are we doing this, right? And maybe that's our reason. We're petty. We, well, we are petty. <laughs> that's definitely part of it. Um, I'm kidding. That's yeah, not, no, and we're just going to add to the discourse because we're quarantining and it feels like we're going to continue to quarantine. We're like rolling up the roller coaster of the first wave that never ended into the second wave. Yeah. Uh, because we're Americans and we yelled freedom at the virus and the virus said, thank you for the spit droplets. And here we go. And I feel like um, 
at its at its best, um, things like podcasts and the internet have a really great way of connecting people. And um, I like I have learned through this quarantine. We we're talking about it um, earlier today. I, I've learned through this quarantine that I'm actually a lot more extroverted than I thought I was. And uh, um, I don't know. This feels like a, a way to connect with people in a positive way, or start a conversation that that feels a lot more social than like staring at our wall or playing farm simulator. Or yeah, something. texting people through apps on the phone. That's a right. really good point. I think that that's probably the actual sort of need that we felt around this, um, and getting encouraged by people. Again, I don't know what's wrong with all of y'all, but I folks no keep encouraging us to talk. I I can't that's stand be me talking some sometimes. Well, I just I want myself to shut up. Yeah, me too. But people apparently. I'm a white guy that people think are straight. I I I could use a big dose of shut up. So <laughs> we're gonna try and keep this digestible at least to start. Uh, I don't feel like we have a two hour podcast audience and that's not you that's us i just don't think that we need to talk that long um but maybe we'll end up into a whole like media mogul and we'll have a bunch of different kinds of things but this yeah. is fake out and this is episode one and uh we have a few talking points that we want to hit uh we're going to talk about jk rowling get your capes. i have many things to yeah say. get your capes get your glasses let's nerd out to this thing abandon your capes and glasses that is that's off the rails jk rowling you have become an interesting yeah. human being um fucking kanye west announced running for president on Twitter last night and everyone lost their mind. So we'll touch on that. And, uh, and then Paris Hilton became one of the smartest people on the internet yeah. in the same breath, really, which is amazing. Really trolled everyone. Which I, is, I, who saw that coming? Uh, that might be one of like, if you had that on your bingo board for 2020, congrats. Cause I don't think anyone saw that coming. Last time I saw her was like 2007 and really a simple life. Smart and people <laughs> lost their minds over something that was really simple and really funny. Yeah. And it was just, I, she just well, struck at the right moment. Yeah, I will talk about it. Uh, cool. And then uh, I, I think that there are several reasons politically, because we want to get into a little bit of political nerdiness. Um, otherwise, if we're just sort of pundits and discoursey, there's nothing really unique about what we're saying. So I think that there's some reasons to be optimistic around the upcoming election in November. And I think it's worth talking about those because it's easy to get down and petty as we've seen and be sort of doom and gloom about lots of things and i think that plays to our base your instincts so i think it needs to be said and and sort of shown to light uh, as frequently as possible when there are reasons to be optimistic Agreed. so yeah jk rowling she's a person yeah so ellie why don't you being the resident expert in the room in all things uh transgender related uh, why don't you sort of give folks the background and like the 30,000 foot view of what the hell is wrong with her and then we can get into what's going on today. Well, unlike JK Rowling, uh, that's a hard question for me to answer because I don't pretend to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist on, uh, on any platform. Um, but so I can't really answer what's wrong with her, but, um, JK Rowling has in over the past couple of years has demonstrated herself to be. Uh, rather transphobic. There was an incident last year um, that she got in trouble for, and it seemed like she kind of went away um, and 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 at least was having that kind of discourse in circles that that appreciated that and tolerated that. Um, and then a we're talking of, about TERFs, which is a an acronym T E R F, which is Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists. There is nothing uh, radical of, or feminist about them. Uh, they're they're more just exclusionary. Um, they, yeah, the exclusionary is really the main highlight there, and um, it is one of the most active corners of the internet. In the same way that there is a high sense of urgency and like a fevered pitch around all things sort of Bernie bro on the corner of Twitter, 
equal hotspot in the turf and world. And they're flat earthers, right? Like, they, they find a community in uh, in Twitter that they, they wouldn't be able to find in everyday life because despite what it seems like on Twitter, um, people are actually really supportive of trans people um, and would, would definitely shout down somebody who um, was, was just being bigoted. Um, but uh, unfortunately, on the internet, those voices get amplified and they find their own circle. And that's kind of what happened to JK. Twitter Rowling. is not the real world, thank God. N- never the real world. There's one key takeaway from like 2016 to this point. Twitter isn't. Uh, if you've had an account real. for two hours, you, you will probably <laughs> come to that conclusion. Um, so Rowling um, has taken the turf stance that um, trans women aren't women. Uh, and that she, trans people aren't people. I, I don't know why it's all, there's always such a focus on trans women in, in, in general, but, um, yeah, good the, point. The, like a, a worthwhile call out for sure. Um, so she's taking the, the, the position that trans women aren't women, that trans women are trans women and thinks that that should be acceptable and that we should all just recognize, uh, uh that, that trans women have physical differences that make them not a woman. Um, and we do have obviously physical differences from cisgender women. Um, but we are most definitely, uh, women. And, um, but that kind of thinking too, I think it's worth to point out is the same way that you end up with people having like racial bias and bigotry gets a a place to have a platform because you're focusing on the exclusionary nature of something. Yeah. So she, and, and the way she frames it is the way that every turf frames it. And it leaves the door open for her to, uh, feign uh, pearl clutching and uh, shock and horror at the way the internet uh, tries to correct her and reprimand her and then use that uh, to help feed her victim complex. Um, and so she's, uh, all of her, uh, the, the thread that she just had yesterday, um, um, or this morning. Actually, it was this morning, yeah. Um, it, it peddles a bunch of, of uh, debunked myths that cross-sex hormones um, over a long period of time uh, put you at higher risk for things like cancer, which having gone through the informed consent process, they do. I'm at a higher risk of breast cancer, but I'm at a higher risk of 5% of a cisgender male, which is nothing. Um, right. You have a higher, yeah, you have a higher risk of breast cancer because you've introduced estrogen into your system in levels that would then therefore. And it's, it's, it's minuscule, I guess is my point. That was a terrible sentence that I just strung together, but (laughs) it's disingenuous. It's disingenuous to try and extrapolate that into a larger danger, right? Like it is truthful to say that we have a higher risk of certain cancers when you take cross sex hormones, but the 5% of 0.1% is absolutely Like it's that, it's even that thing that the media will do. They'll say like, Corona cases have increased by 200% in Wisconsin right. because they went from 20 to 40. Right. There like, was four yeah. people. You're just extrapolating yeah. what you need out of the data right. to make right. your point. I think one of the things for me that's the most fascinating about the whole JK Rowling drama, just from like an observational point of view, and obviously I have some emotional feelings about it, but um, there's very similar, there's a constant theme between sort of folks that have these beliefs that are exclusionary and predicated on you know, othering other populations they don't like or uh, coming from a place of fear and attacking those that they don't understand or want to learn how to understand or at least get perspective in a first-person way. Um, There's that creating a straw man, becoming offended that your opinion has been countered because your opinion is inherently negative and has sort of no place in a world where we all get along together. And you made the point earlier about um, um, sort of creating the parallels to, to uh, racial supremacy. Um, and I think that 
that's a it's, it's a great point because most turfs from what i um can see and jk rowling in particular seem to think that womanhood and women's rights is a pie right so their main objection is that they lose some sort of special status or some ethereal yeah. like yeah exactly thing that, i always that, call that the privileged pie theory because like yeah if, if you're privileged you're afraid of other people getting slices of the pie the, the argument is, of course, inherently flawed. And Someone having the same amount of rights as you doesn't take your rights away. There is not a finite pool of rights. And I think it's, I think <laughs> just it's, I think it's an important call out to, to point out that at least in, in my anecdotal experience, um, turfs are generally um, university educated cis, cisgender white women, right? Like it, there's very, I have seen very little buying into to, to that, uh, that dogma. Uh, in any other group, it's it's always yeah. it's always um, uh, which is to say it's, it's launching from a woman. place of starting out with a bunch of privilege, right. and then seeing things through that lens. Right. They, they it's almost like they need something to feel uh, the victim of, um, and I guess trans women. Yeah, because it's very them. it's very fabricated. Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's it's you know taking weird outlying one off examples and trying to extrapolate that as some sort of foundational data, which is an annoying habit. Yeah. So that that's, she's doing that. And, um, um, she's also, um, using the pushback, uh, to try and frame the conversation in uh, sort of atomistic terms, right? Like if you are not with, uh, TERFs, you are for the destruction of, uh, the definition of biological sex. You're for the destruction of women's rights as a whole or women's access to, to uh single gendered spaces like they that whole thread that she posted this morning is specifically designed to peddle myths and to uh, divide people into one or two camps right she, she, she right. sets up that false dichotomy of like you have to be on one side or the other and Sounds i don't know who familiar. where have i heard that? Where, where, where have i heard that theme before <laughs> maybe God. she stole it from him <sighs> it's a really successful uh, uh oh yeah it's nationalism yeah yeah, people it's basically tribalism. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why it works, right? <laughs> yeah, of because course. it's every we're so susceptible to tribalism. That it's weird. Such we a we get defensive. Such a foreign concept these days, right? Yeah, definitely not playing out in a thousand ways on the national stage. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I just the, the disingenuity is that a word? Disingenuous nature. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. The disingenuous nature of sort of. This now millionaire feigning oppression, right? I, I just, you have millions of dollars, and I'd like to I'd like to ask, like, how bored are you? Well, that's yeah. How, I mean, we're getting a lot of this crap because rich people bored. Are bored. We're gonna right. get into Kanye West after how, this. So it's sort of like Maslow's hierarchy, right? It doesn't stop at like a uh, uh, fulfillment or whatever that that, that top uh, um, stone, the capstone is. It's it like. It, it almost seems like invariably in, in any circle, there's like a, there's a step above that, which is like prejudice and oppression or, um, um, trying to, trying to ruin other people's lives. Like, it seems like once, once all of these people, um, yeah, they get like to the center of the hourglass and then it sort of yeah, falls they, down. They like wake up one day and they're like, decay. I have $28 million. What am I going to do? Why don't I just ruin some trans people's lives? <laughs> so Stephen King had retweeted, um, a, a tweet from her that was a quote of someone else. And, um, obviously the pro-trans side of the internet lost their mind, um, as they are wont to do sometimes. And, um... Yeah, Twitter elevates everything to just insane. Right. So somebody directly asked him, um, on, a, on the tweet after the retweet, um, if he believed that trans women are women. And he said, of course, trans women are women. J.K. Rowling had retweeted 
uh, one of his tweets and was following him. And as soon as he said trans women are women, she <laughs> she deleted the retweet. Um, unfollowed him. Unfollowed him. And then when people figured out that she unfollowed him, she followed him back because it looked too petty. Which, yeah, so, at that point, too, you're, you've, like, you've outed yourself there. I, right. She does that a million times over. She, yeah, she showed her cards at that point. I, I, I don't know how you maintain any sense of... of so she's she's uh, propping up this account at Manaxium, who's Sophie. Hormone prescriptions are the new antidepressants. Yes, they are sometimes necessary and life-saving, but they should be a last resort, not the first option. Pure laziness for those who would rather medicate than put in the time and effort to heal people's minds. She then goes on the diatribe this morning. Based off of that, people gave her backlash for saying that, like, being a person who's transgender and going into hormone therapy is, in fact, not lazy, as she... And then she got mad at people ascribing that doctrine to what she was saying, but, like, that... So, she uh, created that whole conversation. Like, of I, course they're going to. And I, this is it's a common dialogue in... Um turf circles and and it's it's one it's a half step away from the sort of like big pharma created trans people to sell really 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 cheap hormones which doesn't make any sense on its face but i I object to that tweet for a couple of reasons um one the informed consent process for me was pretty rigorous i had to have therapy for six months i had to have my therapist sign off on my my hormones and then i had to see a doctor twice and go through a list of possible side effects and consequences and whatever. And so, so that was arduous for me. So it's not just simple. And even in places where they have an informed consent where you don't necessarily have to go through through counseling, it's still not like you just walk in one day and walk out with a, with a hormone prescription. Um, and the other thing uh, it, that I object to is the insinuation that being transgender is a mental illness, right? Like, right. Being even the DSM five that they just came out with, which is the sort of the bible for um, uh, mental illnesses, has gender dysphoria as a mental illness and not being transgender. And people will quibble over that too, but it, at its heart, I think it's because they're ascribing it just for like clarity as a symptom of the syndrome of being transgender. Right. So, right? so the, the idea behind the I think that's a fair argument. The, the idea behind the reclassification is being transgender um, and having a different internal neurological hormone system. Having a different hormone system, being wired differently, and then that having the opposite um, uh, body is, is invariably going to cause you distress, right? And so sure. the treatment for gender dysphoria is transition, right? Like, yeah. I very rarely, I, you live with me, I very rarely <laughs> have bouts of gender dysphoria like like i did when uh before hormones or when i was a teenager for god's sake um so the idea that it's a mental illness is just making people and more just unhealthy to to give people a sort of a bigger view of that on a scale of one to ten how much better is your life living as elizabeth 20 right exactly like, so there, there is no comparison it, and and that is sort of the common it's not sort yeah. of the common i that is absolutely right. what you hear from people well, who have transitioned. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't still be transitioning people. Which, by the way, internet doesn't mean that no one's ever detransitioned or hasn't had a second thought. That's. It, but again, that. that's that's it's like we're talking about the cancer. It's such a small right. percentage of a small percentage of people. Yeah. It, so going back to J.K. Rowling, just on what she did today, someone after her her lazy propping up. Uh, tweeted at her and said, who had money on J.K. Rowling uh, pivoting to support those who call people who take mental health medication, quote, lazy. I take daily medications to function. This sentiment is beyond offensive. It's actually harmful to millions. That's a really uh, good point. To I which J.K. Rowling, this is what started the diatribe today. 
Uh, she said, I've ignored fake tweets attributed to me and retweeted widely. Uh, I've ignored porn tweeted at children on a thread about their art. I have no idea what she's on about there. Uh, I've ignored death and rape threats. I'm not going to ignore this one out of 11. And then she goes into it. And again, if, if you want to retweet like death and rape threats and say, this is toxic, this is vile. I don't right. think any of us are going to disagree with that, JK. No. You propping this up as some brazen attack from which you can no longer stand aside when you've started the damn conversation is ingenuine at best and you're just using this platform uh to sort of espouse these candidly trash beliefs and another piece of interesting context that i think matters in this conversation is she goes on to frame this as the new conversion therapy which is a widely parroted belief system horrendously offensive and the reason that that is the context for the conversation is because in england where or the uk where the turf movement seems to have started or at least is like the center of the turf universe for some reason yeah. they're obsessed with yeah, I have no idea why but it's definitely obsessed with trans women specifically the storm, in the UK I don't know why if you're listening to from the UK first of all Please. how do you like our American accents aren't they neat but also <laughs> let us know why that's going on if you have any idea but she's using this they're all using this language as the new conversion therapy because ultimately the goal is to take this take hormone therapy out of the nhs this is one of the many many ways that the uk is currently attacking the nhs the tories the part the party that famously voted it down 12 times before it even came to light uh post-world war ii is now going back in and trying to undermine the entire system and, and get rid of the nhs which is beyond me, i mean but. circling back to the, this idea of conversion therapy I, I mean it's easily disproved and this is a this is a common um uh, misconception about trans people. So let me dispel this now, um, because when I first transitioned, the person that I dated, I was I was dating a, a woman, and the person I dated immediately, not immediately after I transitioned, but the first person I dated after transition was a woman. Wait, you and, dra- you date women too? Yeah. That's so my ex girlfriend was. I, I I heard through a mutual friend that my ex girlfriend was rip shit, like absolutely beside herself, asking if I had transitioned to a woman why I wasn't dating men. Now for, I, I am pansexual. So I, I, I date my sexuality. Well, I was going to say that was an insane linear thought process that is really, really unaware of how human beings function. But right. And, and it's offensive, right. To assume that like, just because I'm a woman, I, I, I must just date men. So, and I think that if you look, if you surveyed trans people in general, there are very few of us that are, that are straight. Like I, oh, hell I, yeah. I, I, I can count on, <laughs> Three fingers, the number of of, of trans um, friends that I have that are straight. So it's 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 not conversion therapy. None of us are. Uh, There's nothing in, to convert. In fact, That's how you I, earlier, I yeah. had a I had a sexual liberation when I transitioned because I was finally able to allow myself to like actually earnestly date men, uh, which I think is relatable for anybody who finally comes out as whatever level of queer they are. Right. right? So, so it, so it wasn't you like kind of be your full self and not, you know. Be ashamed or hide in corners. Right, like I didn't that. transition so that I could date straight men. Like, you know what I mean? It just so <laughs> happens that once you transition, you can date straight men. Um, but but I, my sexuality circle expanded, and I think that's true for pretty much every trans person on the face of the right. earth. So it's not like we're we're pretending that we're not gay. Um, like, I, and I'm again, yeah, to drive that point man home, by being trans, right, like, yeah, exactly. it doesn't make any sense. It's it's just. And again, it's it's sort of people who aren't living something first person telling people who right. live the experience right. what their experience actually is uh that meme of the cleveland indian fan white guy screaming in the face of an actual native american um about why you know his he has the right to be 
completely racist and offensive to his face. Yeah. <laughs> comes to mind. People but. like J.K. Rowling, this is really all I have to say on it, but people like J.K. Rowling um, do, uh, I, I really want to ask how many trans people they know personally and, and deeply, because there's, none of them have trans friends, none of them have had an, an earnest conversation with a trans person None of them have genuinely tried to understand our perspective or where we're coming from. And I'm speaking specifically of tourists, sort of like the, the hard, the most hardcore of um, people right. uh, who are against trans rights, but none of them have, have bothered to talk to us. And I, I think that's indicative and illustrative of, um, of the, the, the ideology of the movement as a whole, right? It's, it's clearly not based in protecting women's rights. Um, it's clearly not based in understanding Trans issues are, are helping trans people if they think we're, we're, be, we're in the middle of conversion therapy. It's very much being able to just bitch about stuff, really. I mean... Yeah, it's playing on a grudge and, like, using your platform to... Just pretend to be a victim. Extend the microphone. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's so. bored rich people being really toxic. Right. It's a it's a, it's a strange mindset. And it's a shame I, because I've she had created watched. a space for a lot of people that uh, saved them from bullying and gave them a sense of hope around their identity and trying to fit in in ways that weren't allowed in mainstream society. There's an I entire mean, generation of kids, yourself included. I'm who, sitting here uh, next to uh, and, and in front of our, our bookshelves and I have every Harry Potter book. I went to the last, the release of the last two books. So... It did, it is, it is, it feels like losing a piece of my childhood because as someone who struggled with mental health issues um, and who was often alone and isolated, um, at least in my mind, if not in actual reality, those books gave me a place to escape to. Right. And, and that's such a common experience. And I think that's yeah, why this is such a... It's, I'm like, dishear- yeah, it's, talking a, about it's it. disheartening it's, for it's, sure. And it's the same thing that you feel you, like people are so, had such a personal connection to her work. It's the same thing that you feel when like a family member rejects you yeah. or... You lose old friends because you no longer fit the definition of, you know, who they want you to be. It's just, it's beyond unfortunate and it's not nice. (laughs) And not quite as stinging as your, your parents no longer talking to you, but that's, that'll be episode two, (laughs) (laughs) but it is definitely, there is a sense of, there is a sense of sort of like grief of, of, of something lost. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's just a shame. It's just really a shame. And it's a shame that she feels that she needs to do that, but all right, other bored rich people. Kanye West is running for president, allegedly. He's not. He's not. The, it's the, Twitter again, man. Everyone just take a deep breath. I don't know why anyone takes celebrities seriously. This is sort of a running theme through this through this this first episode. I don't know why anyone takes any celebrity seriously ever. Kanye West is releasing an album. He's well, it's funny to say that because in the con- you know on the backdrop of I keep saying context. Take a shot every time I say context. The backdrop against, like, 2016, right? We, but he we, didn't want to be president either. No, I know, but then he... <laughs> I mean, this isn't unprecedented, like, even taking Trump aside. This is not an unprecedented thing. Kid Rock did this with a quote-unquote Senate run at one point to promote an album. No, uh, no, no. So, yeah, celebrities will do this from time to time. Joe Dirt. Yeah, Joe Dirt incarnate decided he was going to run for senator real quick while he was also putting out an album. So it's just a way for people to prop things up. Kanye is coming out with an album that I'm sure is going to be called 2020 Vision because he keeps hashtagging everything about that. How sad is it of, uh, that our political process is so messed up that it can be used to, to be a launching pad, a platform? Well, that was for, kind of, yeah, I mean, for, but that was kind of, the, the, well, it, yeah, I mean, it is the discourse right now, right. certainly since 2016. The biggest difference between Trump and any of that other sort of riffraff around um, famous people using the idea of running for office to sort of get some attention 
is that he became part of the machine and it fueled it. Um, he kind of did it in the machine. Well, ultimately, yes, but like he did it the quote unquote right way where he got in into the primary process and then all of a sudden was a part of the Republican monster and the GOP sort of was forced to live with him and they legitimized the process in a lot of ways and he became their actual nominee. I don't even know if can Kanye West like get himself under ballots at this point. Like someone, Um, someone tweeted out and I thought it was so good. I was just going to say every state has um, different um, rules and most of them are governed by DNC and the RNC. Um, They set up a lot of those, those state rules in terms of ballots. So I, I don't I cannot imagine that he's going to pull high enough because I think that's the threshold for most of uh, those uh, getting on the ballot in most states. I can't imagine he's going to pull high enough to 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 meet that those state thresholds. Yeah, and I mean, look, this just plays to like all the worst instincts on Twitter, right? Like people freaked out right away. There goes the black vote. There goes the young vote, which is the most like lazy crap conclusion. Have drawing. you never looked at a at a poll? Have you, right? and, and just like life. how much? Yeah, how much? How much are you going to openly discredit an entire portion of the society that we live in and say, well, they're all obviously going, it's like the, the On other. On some levels, it's, it's incredibly insulting to the, like the black community um, and the young On people in general. Level, it is definitely insulting. That was because, where I was going. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just insinuating that like, well, they're stupid. These groups of people are just stupid enough to vote for this man. Right, so. exactly. So it's, it's insanely offensive. It's wildly overly simplistic. It's just... It's it's reactionary. It's it's, it's just reactionary. Yeah. It's, and it's it's it Twitter it's, thinking Twitter's real life again. Right. Which they like to create panic. <laughs> panic <laughs> makes good hashtags. The, this what do they call it on uh, Pod Save? Someone mentioned like the circadian rhythm of Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Which is there is no circadian. It's got the circadian rhythm of a meth habit. <laughs> it has ironically it has the circadian rhythm of most of us in uh, quarantine. Uh, right, which is to right. say just if, fits and starts. You sleep you sleep for a couple hours and then you just dart around your brain. Freaking out about this and that. Yeah, how many people are sleeping really well right now? Nobody. I mean, I, I am. But you have performance enhancement I, 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 I have a sleeping pill. Um, yeah. I can't wait to get one of those. I, take I can't to, sleep anymore. Don't tell J.K. Rowling that I take a nightly sleeping pill because I'm taking the lazy way out so of insomnia. Lazy, <laughs> so lazy. Should I just be working on my insomnia? Is this episode going to be called Lazy? Radically Lazy? What Radically a man. That album is lazy. fire. That, that sounds like... You want to talk about the album drop in 2020? That Radical sounds, lazy is gonna sounds be like some piece of like <laughs> terrible sociological research and like some boomer writing an article about ge- our generation. It could be the millennials and Gen Z. Shittiest, they're radically lazy. thesis about generations <laughs> they don't radically like. Radically lazy. Radically lazy. It's like shut up and sing. It's, it's, it's the same it, amount of uh, intellect involved. It's, it's like Terps, right? Radical mm. them being radical feminists. It, it, that's it's not true, and you can't be radical. I'm not exclusionary, but I am radically lazy. I was just going the other way with that. I am absolutely. I am radically lazy sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's because I have like a radical love for the idea of being lazy, and I don't get that many opportunities anymore. Certainly less than yeah. I used to. I used to be way, way lazier than I am now. Yeah. Well, now, which is a damn shame. Sometimes we have, uh, we have responsibilities. And I know. Getting involved in civic duties and you gross. You know, Why did we do that? <laughs> Went from being a chef to going into politics. That's masochism at its finest. Repeated on, upon itself. I'm just happy to be. Here. But the part that I like about all this even more that I think is way, way better is like a couple hours after Kanye made this quote unquote announcement, Paris Hilton did basically the same thing and said Paris for president with a bunch of emojis and an American flag. 
and Twitter doubled down on losing their minds and a bunch of really smart people who I genuinely <laughs> like take their opinion kind of seriously. Really respects, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Respectfully. They're good journalists. <laughs> like just took the bait and it was amazing. And like, so Paris Hilton simultaneously faced Kanye West made Twitter just lose their minds. Cause I think it just, there was too many hours in the day and there was too many fireworks going off across America simultaneously. And nobody got the fact that it was like a joke and it was hilarious, and I—I I mean, I think ultimately, I didn't have Paris Hilton like lapping the field. Yeah, that was definitely. Not, I didn't. I didn't, look stupid, I didn't even but know here we was, are. I know she's still relevant, and I—I I, I think, but but again, this this sort of goes back to the we were talking about this the symptom on on uh, the problem on Twitter of of just wanting something to be outraged about, right? Like, I think we're we're really quick to. Yeah, there was a ton of like, oh, 2020, I can't, how could it even get any worse? Right. Like, everyone had the vapors. Like, calm the hell down. Like, and, and, <laughs> and when you think about it critically, like, what do you know about Paris Hilton? What makes you think that she has any interest in running for political office? I mean, it had nothing to do with Paris Hilton. It was, we're all afraid of the fact that a bunch of rich people are bored and they're losing their minds. And so we lose their minds around that. Um, we have clearly proven that anybody can be taken seriously to actually run for president. Well, I guess that's what I mean. Like, but, it, you know... I Trump norm. I guess Trump sort of. He didn't sort of. He he changed the structure of politics and the political process to the point that he tore down we, the barrier between the absurd and outlying right. and like the process. That's right? what I mean. So, we didn't yeah. even. I, I was not included. In this they didn't even um, stop to to think about the person or the motivations or whatever for Paris Hilton running for president because. Because Trump happened, right? Like, you hear that frequently in political discourse. Like, something, someone says something outrageous or someone proposes some outrageous policy and the, the yeah. refrain is always like, well, Trump happened, so anything can happen. Yeah, and I mean, like, Twitter is also the most trash, piece of trash garbage right. place to actually, like, communicate with other human beings to begin with. So, sarcasm gets lost a lot and, you know, social media, people aren't really good at picking up on any nuance or subtleties, which, again, didn't see that coming from Paris Hilton, but it's 2020. Yeah. Good for her. I, I, it was I, just awesome. Yeah, weird. <laughs> and yeah, she thrust herself back into the limelight. Um, so I give that three that's hots. Good job. Thrust herself. That is an interesting choice of words. <laughs> given out very seldom not very much, but... Uh, yeah, I forgot about that, actually. So, cool. Yeah. Walked into that by accident. Awesome. All right. Uh, so, I, like, and then getting into being a political nerd. Uh, if you're not a political nerd, this is... This is bad podcasting 101. You might not love this segment. You might want to turn it off. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thanks, but, thanks for listening. Uh, being a political nerd, and, uh, as we both are, or being political nerds as we both are, because words have meanings and sentences have structures, Graham. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of focus on a few reasons to be optimistic, because we've focused on the crazy. We've been petty. We started off the show with petty. We got into the insanity of life as we know it in 2020 around the pandemic. Um, I think it's really important to mention the momentum that black lives matter black lives matter has created around um these upcoming points because obviously i saw a graphic on twitter again last night where this is sort of the biggest movement in the modern generation in terms of like how many people are engaged and involved and how much chatter it has Um, i'd like to point out uh the media doesn't cover it anymore but i um yeah there are still protests going on like that this, yeah, this uh, Columbus was the Columbus statue in Baltimore was ripped down last night there, and thrown into the harbor. There was just a march uh, awesome. yesterday in Boston. Um, yeah. So I, I I think it's especially important to notice uh, to note not just because of um, the momentum that it's, that it's created, but also because 
we can't let this movement die, right? The, the news no. media does a really good job. Social media does a really good job of sort of killing off stories when they no longer have use for them. And this isn't just a story. Yeah. This isn't something that we can, we can let And I mean, if, luckily, I think there is a, a sense of momentum around this that is unparalleled. And there's things happening that are beginning to become substantial and not just sort of placating, you know, like every organization and every structure within this society of um, American white nationalism and how invasive and pervasive that is has always traditionally just done the NFL thing of like, here's a meaningless gesture as in the NFL playing an alternative national anthem week one. And they're hoping that it's going to go away after that. Yeah. F off. Pay taxes. That makes up for everything. Pay taxes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But, um, that's usually always been enough to get the attention drawn away from the root of this this problem uh and that's just not good enough anymore i think shout out to generation z for really becoming a part of this and rapidly becoming an avalanche of activism it's amazing these kids are going to save the world i totally believe that and they're already starting to i mean (laughs) what they did in tulsa was excellent uh they do a great job of trolling donald trump which wouldn't be meaningful i wouldn't put this into that conversation except for the fact that it just absolutely undeniably derails the man and it needles at his very shallow fragile ego in a way that distracts him and they show up in a way that our generation didn't that that gen x didn't yeah they they put their money where their mouth is right Right. there's they're the activist generation there's there's always been a lot of hemming and hawing for would-be uh allies especially on on uh the white side but when it came down to it we weren't there. Um, and, I, and I think, w- at least it, we went to a protest, for instance, um, and looking around, uh, it was such a sea and a, and, and a legitimate melting pot. We like to use that word in America, but it was it was really a melting pot of people. And I, and I think... Yeah, and if that's, Z, what, that's what ultimately it's going to take, right? Yeah, I mean, this is... this is that responsibility. Black Lives Matter getting what they have been after, rightfully so, since the movement started, and candidly, like... We definitely, being privileged white people, have been late to this party. It feels a little bit awkward talking about this even right now. Um, we we hope to be able to have yeah seriously. We hope to be able to have folks on the show um, as this you know we continue down the, this road who can speak from a first person perspective because somebody's lived perspective I think is the most important thing you can stop and pay attention to and learn from and grow because of understanding that and and using empathy as a, a tool for yourself to learn. And, I, and using you know. using using your platform I, before anyone cancels me, I, I wanna I wanna point out that the reason that I that I brought up white people in in, in general, I, I'm not ascribing any sort of real credit to white allies. It's just that the unfortunate truth in this country is that we don't listen to people of color. Like we don't listen to minority and marginalized communities, and until until we have people who have privilege that are willing to put that privilege on the line to help people who don't have privilege. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, and I think that's, the, that's the the kind of where we were driving it, right? It's, it's on us to make sure that this movement right. gets where it needs to go and that, you know, legislation happens and laws are changed and the police are defunded and, and we rethink the entire structure of sort of the American system to make it what people love to try and pretend it is all the time, which is to say, you know, equal for everybody and gives everyone an equal opportunity. But it's... You know, that's definitely a white issue. That's something uh, yeah. that as allies, we positively have the responsibility to show up and make sure that that happens. I just wanted to point out that I was uh, calling out white allies and not giving them credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and, and, ourselves, and ourselves above everything else, right? Like, we're, this is going to be a lifelong process. We're flawed. We will be flawed. We're going to stumble and fuck up. 
And maybe we already have, and you can tell us that and, you know, we'll listen to that too. But anyways, my, my point is that I think there are reasons to be optimistic in this upcoming election. Um, we'll get more into the election itself. But we always want to touch on some relevant news cycle stuff because everything happens so fast. We had like three or four talking points we wanted for this episode and, and those passed us by already in the no last week. few days. Yeah, so... <laughs> Donald Trump was impeached this year. But if you look, there's... You <laughs> How know, crazy is that? Yeah, seriously. That was a lifetime. Does anyone remember that? Nope. There's queer Afro-Latino men who are winning elections right now for the first time. Um, and that was a point that I heard on uh, Pod Save America. And I thought that was uh, a really relevant topic because that's unprecedented. You know, there's been queer people. There's been, obviously, African-Americans who have won office. But that particular mix um, has yet to become a voice in leadership in this country and now that's changing and and they seem to be headed towards the house of representatives in dc which is awesome and amazing and akila hughes made a really good point uh i can't remember exactly when but uh she said that basically you know paraphrasing her when we show up things change so keep showing up the elijah mccain murder uh, that unfortunate situation is an example uh they've reopened an investigation the officer that unfortunately stopped him and led to his murder uh, directly by killing him. I don't know why I said led to his murder, but I guess because of the ketamine and the whole process and the way that shook out. But the guy that was responsible for the murder of Elijah McCain has lost his job, but he lost his job because he went back and sort of mocked the situation and celebrated. And and again, losing your job is not good enough. I I I want to point out real quick, Akili Hughes um, is the co-host of a wonderful 15-minute podcast um, every weekday called What A Day. And that's put out by Crooked Media. Um, I stan her. I <laughs> we both her to death. stan Akili. She is uh, the She's coolest the person to follow on Twitter, <laughs> period. Yeah, so. absolutely. She has a really direct way of being super concise and poignant, yeah. um, and but also delightful, which is a cool, cool mix that I'm well jealous of. But she's right, and I think even if you extrapolate that just as a political nerd back to, like, that's why the Tea Party movement got legs in the first place, right? The Koch brothers knew that if people just kept showing up, even if they were funding it, this grassroot quote-unquote movement at the time which was fake and now is real with the black lives matter movement undeniably if people keep showing up there will be a change in sort of the zeitgeist which is what created this this generation of just awful republican leadership but that was done very much out of the same principle right if people keep showing up if people refuse to take no for an answer the discourse will change and shift. I mean, and you, you know, look at Minneapolis, right? Like right. they are completely restructuring uh, their police force and their emergency response system uh, um, as a whole, and and that only happened because the people who controlled the politics in that city kept looking out their window and going, "Oh my God, these people are never going to go away, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> right. Uh, if we don't do something now, yeah, we're going to have and they, I mean, political." You know, that, they always start by trying the same old tricks, and even I'm I'm a little bit disappointed here in Boston because. You know, tens of thousands of emails were sent to city council and public mm-hmm. hearings on the budget were held. 75-ish percent of the Boston fiscal year 21 uh, city budget is spent on the Boston police. They were trying to expand that budget. Uh, they were trying to expand policing in schools, which is predatory Insane. and racist. And, and criminalizing. Yeah, and criminalizing children. what should be detention, right. essentially. Um, and giving, we asked for a very, when I, when I first found out that um, I'm the program in Boston was only asking for 10%, I thought that was ridiculous. I really felt like that was a low number. And then I thought got, 25% should have been the minimum ask. Yeah, for sure. And um, we got 2%. 2.5. Yeah, so 10% of the 25%. <laughs> Shout out to Marty Walsh. Yeah, but, I mean, for you. 
Yeah, Barty Walsh is going to get his ass primaried in 2022, yeah. and I'm here Coming for Coming for you politically, not physically. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, will, that clear. we will 100% be campaigning on behalf of whoever primaries Mr. Walsh. But th- that change to the budget happened because everybody started to show up and pay attention. And I was lucky enough to write one of the emails that became a template letter to City Council. Um, City Councilman Campbell uh, then responded on Twitter and said, this is really helpful. We hear you. You know, to all of us who were getting involved, people gave testimony. Great. Great, four hours compelling long. four yeah. hours of testimony on yeah. the next budget vote. Shout out to Gen Z on that one. Interesting shout out, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Shout out. They were, they, they were, they, they drove that conversation. They yeah, Gen Z has been incredibly helpful in all of this, which is why we were sort of standing them earlier. Crazy but, passionate. Um, again, when we show up, and especially at the local level, like things yeah. are really, really able to be changed and you can really make your voice heard when you act at the local level politically and all of the, the attention and the spotlight and the periscope that we look at everything politically through happens federally and nationally and on a huge, you know, media level and people sort of, I think because of that get really disenfranchised all the way down the ticket, but you're, you're actually going to be able to affect change. And that's always going to be true locally. Those representatives need every single one of your votes. The pool is too small and too shallow. People don't participate in the democracy. So anybody who and you does, you can hold them accountable. I think that's yeah. that's uh, we that's all, where go, That's the root. There, right? there's 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 so much of, of even the informed electorate that that likes to sort of bemoan and feel like you said disenfranchised or demotivated um, by focusing on what's not happening in the Senate. And and I. I wish people would focus more locally because as, as we've seen, even with the, the, the COVID-19 response, when states act unilaterally, they can get a lot done, right? State and local government can get a lot done and pivot really fast and make sure um, people are being heard and uh, you can hold them accountable for, for their legislative agenda really easily. Um, And it's a direct line of communication, right? Like it's in a way the accountability comes from a direct connection in a way that you don't get at the federal level. I have feelings about the federal level. You know what I mean? I, I, I almost feel, and I don't want to say this because I have a lot of hope for, for what happens. After. Can I just, I, can I, I have strong feelings. I, I'm just kidding. You want me to tell that? Um, I, I have, I have strong feelings and, and, and hope for what happens after November. But I, I think that the, the political system is broken on the federal level as a, as a whole. So I, do you? Yeah. 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 I, have you noticed? Weird. Um, so I, I could, this is my long winded way of saying I a hundred percent agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that, um, Thank you. I, I, I think that. that in, in order to save your own sanity as a response, if you're a responsible and informed voter, focus on local, do uh, well, just elections. make sure you're doing both, right? Because you're, you're right. going to beat, your, gonna beat your head against the wall federally and you're going to, you know, shit scream on Twitter with the rest of us. Um, and fall down that right. rabbit hole and everything's going to feel hopeless it's, and full of despair. But part of the whole reason that I was even able to look at things optimistically and kind of talk to these points about why there is reason to be hopeful be, is because of this, because right. you can affect things directly on the, on the local level. I'm certainly not saying that you shouldn't go find Devin Nunes and remind him that a, that a cow is, uh, is his greatest enemy right now. And then he lost the legal battle against <laughs> the cow and his the, Twitter mom. And that cow. is delicious. And then he left Twitter. But anyway, so I'm not saying don't hold uh, don't hold federal um, elected officials accountable, and I'm certainly not saying don't pay attention to or vote in federal elections. I'm just saying that. No, uh, make I mean, sure that you are... I, that, I think there should be a stronger focus um, on local rather than federal. Yeah, you're going to get more accomplished. Um, and I mean, the city council, we say all that as we also 
admit the city, city council, council let the city of Boston down. But this is the most representative city council that Boston's ever had. I think it's going to get better. And at the end of the day, rather than expanding the police budget, there were line items taken out. And, you know, 2.5% is basically just an FU go away placation. But the fact that it happened really quickly, right at the end when the budget would have otherwise gotten rammed through and nobody was paying attention, um, was really important. And, you know, $60 million of overtime became 42, which... Neat. There's there's insane light items that we don't really need to drill down in too far, but there are Boston police officers who, with their overtime pay, are making more than all but three of the people who work for the FBI. Making more than the mayor of Boston. And they make more than the mayor. So, cheers to the BPD. Guess that's a great gig. I think another thing that is really important and unique, (laughs) forgetting the Kanye news for a minute, because I don't think that that's a legitimate third-party candidate argument, but... Um, The Lincoln Project and these efforts amongst moderate Republicans to undermine the campaign of Donald Trump, um, I think, are really important and are more effective than a third party candidate ever would have been. Because a third party candidate draws from insane people and sort of both pools even. And I mean, unless it's like the Green Party. And I I think that the inherent flaw in a third party candidate is that um, they're (laughs) the two party system. Well, that. But (laughs) I just mean in terms of like this election, the inherent flaw in a third party um, candidate would be that they're still campaigning for votes ostensibly. Right. Right. Like so the Lincoln Project being able to back Biden, they're now free to say whatever they want because they're not worried about getting a piece of the electorate. Yeah, and I mean, whether we want to liken, liken, whether we want to hear it or we like it or not, the Republicans are better at playing this game. I mean, they've they've rigged this game and set it up to play to all of their strengths. Liberals are so smart. How come they lose? They goddamn always. Preach. Pour one out. But they're really good at, like, targeted ads and being snarky and, you know, pointed. They they fight dirty. Yeah. And the left just uh, heretofore has not has not done that, has chosen to try and... It's been insane that since the early 90s, the the democratic system has, like, meaning the the DNC, has been blissfully unaware of how the game is supposed to be played now, or just is incapable of engaging on it effectively, although that seems to be changing now, thank God, too. But, yeah, I mean, that's all to say that the Lincoln Project and other, you know, moderate Republican PACs and super PACs and donors flipping away from Donald Trump is something that is ultimately going to change the outcome of this election, I believe. Certainly not in the prediction game or the punditry game, but I mean, but it's I mean it's it's, it's almost a simple calculus, right? Like uh, I was watching Mark Cuban on uh, Sean Hannity, and uh, thinking to myself that like people like him are the ones that oftentimes determine at least the direction um, of the election, right? So if he's starting to lose people with that kind of money. And he has. I mean, Joe Biden's now outraising him. Just this last quarter, he outraised him dollar for dollar. He outraised him with and big, I, big I mean, donors. Which I don't this... think we should focus too much on uh, in terms of how much money someone has in their war chest or how much they're, they're spending. Because if we, we look at the last two presidential elections, they were each successively the most expensive elections. And no, I wasn't looking at the raw pool though, as much as I think the, but, the the pacing matters. Correct. And yeah, right. And and rapidly, Joe Biden has now begun to outpace Donald Trump. You know, where he was way, way behind before, candidly. So I think that all matters. I think another awesome thing, which will be great because, as Dan Pfeiffer said, you could then dunk on Brad Parscale, is that Brad Parscale, who runs the campaign for Donald Trump, is a functionally brain-dead human being. He is. He is 
completely he outclassed. Bad. He's he, bad at he's his job. Bad as he's a bad person and he's bad at his job. Yeah, he's he's a bad dude and he's dumb. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, in two thousand and Trump White House. Yeah, you color me shocked, right? Like, knock me over with a feather. I can't believe that that's the case near Donald Trump, but. The nice thing here is that they're trying to run back 2016 because it's the only thing that they know. It, it somehow worked. But that was more about HRC, Hillary Rodden Clinton. For sure. Yeah. I don't know why I just acronymed Yeah, like, not like, the Human Rights Council. <laughs> why did I do that? That's Although weird. Definitely it was more about Council. people disliking the system and disliking Hillary Clinton specifically. And sexism. And man. sexism, obviously, yeah. which is like something Joe Biden doesn't have to worry about. Whether you know. This country really, really wants septuagenarian white guys Almost, we're pushing towards octogenarian now bernie's 77 <laughs> years old too right i mean it's right. uh, it's awful I, right. hopefully that that shifts but that's i mean we digress but brad Parscale just doesn't know how to do his job well he is capable of basically only embarrassing the campaign they don't have something they can hang their hat on and this has been talked about in circles you know at large of people who know strategy much better joe than biden's do. campaign gifts like, yeah, they just constantly give gifts to the campaign because Trump can't help himself. He picks the worst issues. Like, I, I think, but, right, I don't keep, know if he had a hand in this, but it's sort of the, the thing that is um, the, the, the most glaring example of this is the fact that when the news came out that the Russians were paying um, al-Qaeda bounties, bounties for each yeah. American soldier, Pascal, Pascal decided to that the, the Trump and the administration were just going to double down on Confederate statues. Like that was his, that was his plan. That like that he and Stephen Miller and Trump decided that the best political uh, uh, position that they could group. have was to protect statues over American service members. So things like that. It just it's it just it's it demonstrates how like how did you think that that was a good And even idea? the GOP like if I was part of the GOP machine right now, one of the things that's a no brand there's a couple things. Don't go after people's healthcare right now during a global pandemic that we can't figure out in this country. So ours is going to drag our experience in this pandemic is going to drag on much longer, much more painfully, cost many, many more lives than everywhere else in the world yeah, because we'll we can't get our freedom, mind we can't right? get our minds around how we'll to like put a freaking mask on. Freedom. Yeah, neat America. Um, but I will say an encouraging sign. But uh, hold on, let me finish that point. So don't take people's healthcare away, and also give direct stimulus. Like do things that just make sense. Like it would make sense to placate people right now and give them some sense of calm and some sense of that you're being taken care of because all you have to do is defend the status quo as the incumbent. It's why the incumbent wins so much in modern politics. And they don't even have an ability to do that as a system. And they're so off the rails and just tailing Trump that they're now victims of his chaos. And I use that word very, very lightly while I'm snickering because, Oh no, poor Lindsey Graham. Right. I mean, you, you asked for this. This is yours. Yeah, you, you made this, this bed. monster you, is yeah, yours. You, this is of <laughs> your own making, for sure. <laughs> you deal with it. But yeah, it's just the inability to read the room right now is staggering. Brad being the worst campaign manager ever. There was like a perfect storm in 2016, right? There were, when you really drill down, the reality of the situation is people didn't like Hillary Clinton because they couldn't right. relate to her. They didn't think she was a human being, right? Trump, the one really smart thing that he's probably ever done in his life, from what it seems is that he took advantage of the right moment because there was a void in leadership and there was a hunger for just anything else, not even something else that right. was good, just something else, period. Uh, so they capitalized on that. Apathy was at an all-time high, right? People were disengaged after um, 
the Obama administration because things were just the same, largely for a lot of folks. People in the Rust Belt felt like nobody was going to help them because nothing really changed for them in, in those eight years either. So people just stayed the hell home. The Bernie thing happened. The DNC botched the handling of WikiLeaks and, and her emails. And like everything came together. Sexism was a, a thing that definitely cost Hillary Clinton the, I, the White House. I think god-awful strategy of just not going to particular states. Wisconsin. Um, Claire McCaskill tells a story um, and she was in um, rural Missouri doing her job as a (laughs) senator and she was filling up her gas and a man walked up to her uh, the gas station and said, you're Claire McCaskill, aren't you? She said, yeah, I am. And he said, you know, I've been a lifelong Republican or, uh, excuse me, a lifelong Democrat and I voted for you but I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. And she was like, yeah, what, like, why is that? And he said, he said, because I feel like listening to you, you give a shit about me. And listening to Hillary Clinton feels like she doesn't give a damn about me or anyone else. And I think that that attitude in the Midwest of like, Hillary Clinton was this like liberal elite from New England and just didn't care. And her campaign, right. uh, apologies to the Pod Save America uh, team, but her campaign just did an awful job of... of no, I, look, I like a lot of the people that worked on that campaign and more Me people too. that I find out worked on that campaign through Crooked Media. I like them more and more and more. But that campaign was run like crap. Was, yeah. That was an historically poorly run campaign strategically like chilling in Miami chilling in Miami (laughs) ignoring the middle of the country we could all 99.9% of the country could feel like it was a uh, coronation yeah yeah, we we were allowed to feel like it was a victory lap you can't run a campaign like that it's the messaging now like the apathy that they created by just not showing up and doing the damn work lost her the White House and I don't want to I don't want to minimize the 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 other factors like sexism resurgent nationalism sexism right yeah yeah Um, pushback of the black guy being president I mean that's clearly part of Hillary Clinton still carries around for a lot of people this weird baggage from the the Monica Lewinsky scandal for sure she should have left I mean yeah that all kind of falls under the umbrella of Hillary being but that's what happens when you run a legacy candidate they come with all of this baggage right so and they didn't do a good job of of countering narratives that they had to know we're going to crop up. And that that version of the DNC, like people still talk about the DNC, and obviously it's the same organization, but like the Tom Perez DNC is a vastly different machine than the Debbie Washerman Schultz DNC. And I've widely complained that the DNC in 2016, when the WikiLeaks thing came out and it basically proved that there was corroboration and it was a hit job on the progressive movement that had a lot of real tangible momentum for the energetic right. part of the party that would have carried you to victory... The whole thing should have pivoted and, and they should have responded to that in live time instead of just staying the course on this coronation road. That's my biggest gripe, even outside of like not campaigning in Wisconsin. But um, yeah, I will the, say they've done a, the Tom Perez version of the DNC. Yeah, they're they're picking great on. candidates running There's, in every state. I mean, they're, they're, running in every election. When you look yeah. at when you look at the 2000, there's another thing that, that, that sticks in my craw about um, uh, the 2016 election. When you look at the amount of, of seats that we left unchallenged. Unacceptable. Because, just because we thought, well, there's no way we can win, uh, is is just awful. And this new strategy it's an of, insanely lazy way to go about politics. Yeah, and this 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 new strategy of um, like we're going to run someone uh, the best candidate we can, even in a seat that they probably won't win, because who knows, they might they turn might. out to be a child molester two months before uh, their opponent might turn out to be a child molester two months before the election, and you Run might more, get that not seat. Not dog jokes. Um, yeah, no, 100. percent And we're pulling from really we're. We're finding whoever's recruiting candidates is doing a yeah, great job. Doing right? awesome Mark job. Kelly, 
Um, you Dream know, a, candidate for that position. Of course, yeah. There's We're pulling teachers from STEM. Um, Orange County, the congresswoman, her, her name escapes me. Let me kill time and find it. But yeah, I know. I, I, I think that the, the DNC did... We always talk about after every every time, um, which is basically every Kate, other, Katie Porter. Every other flipped election. flipped a red Orange County after every other uh after every bad election cycle which is to say after every other election cycle for one particular party there's this inevitably a clobbering um in the electorate and they we we always walk away from it saying well you know this party really has to, to they don't have an identity they're on the right, ropes they're dead they in the water for, redo yeah. their blah 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 they have blah, no blah, leaders and nobody ever does and i and i honestly feel like uh, after 2016 uh, the democratic party there was a real postmortem. Did, there did, and, yeah, they and did. They, did and they the took work. lessons. They, yeah. they really, they really learned the lessons and, and implemented them in a way that that I think is going to be create tangible results in November. And going back to things that are aiding Biden's campaign in this election and why it's not 2016 are uh, structures like crooked media, where there there is right. it's not Both just a, it's not just all uh, funneling through the DNC. There are grassroots movements that have real legs and real reach and are really motivating people to organize making sure that like think about how much there is paying there's attention being paid to things like voter suppression and um getting people to register to vote now versus there was in 2016 so i say all of that to just point out that brad parscale's a dumb piece of crap yeah and he can't do his job well i can't believe he didn't get fired after i wouldn't Tulsa. hire him to run an arby's yeah, no, he's, he's, he's wildly really under, I mean, this is Brad in a nutshell. Two months ago in the middle of this pandemic at its height of the first wave, as everything was shutting down, he came out on Twitter and proudly announced that he had created a death star and that's how they were going to run the campaign, yeah, which, is, which is the most painfully irony, you would, murdering, you would think, idiot sauce thing I've ever heard. You would think for someone who appears to be... A nerd, uh, and I, I and I don't. And I say that I, as know, a nerd I don't, myself. I don't know if I don't know force any sort of uh, undeserved archetype on Brad, but for someone who who seems to be a nerd bro, um, <laughs> yeah. you would think that he would have watched a Trump bro the entirety God. of the Star. I don't even like Star Wars. Don't hate me for that. I've seen all of them. Uh, <laughs> Which is largely my doing, but even you know that the Death Star is not exactly right. the hill that you want to die on, and, or the planetary Death Star. That as, a, as a, as a, I mean, on its on its basic level, uh, sort of ignoring what happens to the Death Star, it was a it was a weapon that destroys planets run by the evil most evil organization Literally in that the evil movie empire. so uh, their leader choked people to death like he was a dictator, which I guess is kind of what Trump wants, but. Gold star, Brad. Gold but star. Yeah, it was just incredibly tone deaf. They've just put out stuff that's so easy to meme, and this generation is so quick to to turn things into memes. Like you slip up once, you're gonna be a meme for the next six months. Um, yeah, I look forward to the day that enough people pay attention to us that I inevitably fuck up like that and yeah. meme myself. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, maybe we'll. That's when we'll know we made that, it. Yeah, with that cancel cancel. Once Ooh. the once there's a hashtag of like cancel fake out, we'll. Uh, Oh, we'll uh, we'll know we'll know we're there. <laughs> we should be so lucky. Uh, Anyways, that's why we feel good about things. Brad Parscale, you suck. I think when you look at the the polling numbers, and I'm not just talking about the the national numbers that, as we all know, are kind of junk. Um, when you look at even county by county uh, races, uh, there's a lot of positive news. Well, we're those. getting enough data from the battleground states too. Like to your point, 
the leads are, are consolidating. The gap is widening. These are consistent numbers. Um, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, I knew how to read polls on like a very rudimentary level. Um, even sure. being a politics nerd, you know, my whole life, I wasn't super aware of what a great poll was and what an okay poll was and what a bad poll was. You're a policy wonk. So I've learned a lot from you and, and the process. And that's the thing that, that when, when nothing else, I mean, when you were sort of just staring into the mid distance, like, like you had PTSD coming back from a war about the 2020 campaign, oh, that was like yeah. the level of optimism you held. That was a weird setup, but that was like the level of optimism that you had six months ago about yeah, Trump I mean, losing I, the campaign. It's fair to say that I, that I, I definitely cried more than once over the, the yeah. prospects of, of Trump uh, winning re-election. And I, um... We've looked into like what it would look like to move to the EU. Yeah, just anywhere, that, yeah. <laughs> anywhere but here, kind think, of a thing. I don't think queer America is going to be uh, to be great if uh, Trump gets another four years. Yeah. But that's an aside. Um, yeah, I, I I do feel I have been converted to optimistic, which is in any situation uh, not my my mode. I am generally pessimistic, and then hope that I'm pleasantly surprised. Right. Um, so. Which is, I mean, fair. Look at the world right now. We're sitting in our office slash podcast studio slash living room slash condo slash incubator um which we've Prison. basically not left for yeah since march which yeah. is freaking rad yeah. um but yeah the, the, the thing that gave me hope early on was looking at the battleground states specifically on real real, co- real clear politics good guy i haven't even had a drink yet um but looking at those numbers and seeing them you know start positive start within the margin of error and leaning positive um and then sort of all at once, those numbers really clicked up because Trump has, of course, bungled anything where he's needed to do any amount of work uh, because that administration is allergic to work. He's golfing right now. As we record this podcast, he went to go golf again for the 366th time. It came out that Um, that when they, uh, when they briefed him on um, the the bounty um, horrific issue, uh, they did it by reading it to him as if he were a child. Right. Well, Uh, I mean, yeah, because he can't, can't read. I see. I, I assume he's illiterate. It's some combination of, of yeah, a low level of literacy and his attention span. Like I, he just doesn't. He's care. on so much Adderall. You would think that. I think that's part of the attention span thing. But yeah, yeah. Um, the white the white supremacy tweet, as we all know now, it took yeah. hours to get that down because he was golfing. Um, but I was saying, like, uh, Joe Biden's numbers started to tick up, and all at once, with that, came a real shift in the Senate numbers in places like. Like, think about it. Hillary Clinton lost Pennsylvania, right? right? Which is sort of unforgivable for that campaign, right. which is a number, one of the number of unforgivable things about the 2016 campaign. But she lost Pennsylvania. And now we're in an election where North Carolina, and even more so Arizona, is a legitimate battleground state. Right. And it's leaning blue. Right. Arizona is, is plausibly going to be flipped in this election. Both in the Senate, we're going to retain uh, two Democratic senators there uh, with Mark Kelly, but... Uh, no, that wouldn't be retained. That's flipping. Uh, we would flip the Senate in Arizona, and there's a very real chance that Joe Biden is elected there. This all comes with a disclaimer that the work has to be done. We have to stay urgent. Complacency is the one thing that can undo this. Again, quoting Dan Pfeiffer and him being really concise and eloquent. Uh, if this gets down to being within a field goal, Trump can and will steal the election through you know voter suppression and gerrymandering and all the tricks that the Republicans have at their disposal. So enough to remember that. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a nice old-timey <laughs> reference. Uh, but 2000. 
as long as there's urgency and along as long as people pay attention and are willing to you know stay through over the next five months and fight the good fight there's a real chance that we can you know redirect the direction of this country and reject this notion of racism having their day again and nationalism and really kind of write the course but we I, have to stay diligent i and take take this with a the grain of salt that is the mooch um but anthony 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 scaramucci tweeted out today um about six hours ago more bad poll internal poll numbers michigan and wisconsin are gone so i i think even the republican party is um well i think that's why you started to see like mitch mcconnell has sort of started to distance himself from the president here and there they're now wearing uh, masks which is cute six weeks too late but yeah and, and then this gaslighty bs from the right of like Virtue no one ever told you crap. not to wear a mask what are you talking about man you're crazy that's what you, you get crazy in your head and then right. you tell me i'm crazy well, i mean man. we told you you could have the freedom but we, we never said you shouldn't wear a mask yes you did yeah a hundred percent and so but that's all damage control the other wild thing to me is that they're not equating the, the the people around and Brad Parscale first and foremost are not equating the fact that the economy is the pandemic and the pandemic is the economy right. and they're trying to play this game. It, it, the last memo that I read from you know uh, what I, I think it was up, uh, out of the Wapo um, was that they're trying to say like well now we have to live with the pandemic so we can fix the economy right. and the fact that the brain power I use that term really loosely around the White House and this administration doesn't realize that those two are inherently the same and they're inherently linked and you don't get to fix one without the other, as Joe Biden you know, cogently pointed out and emphasized by saying it twice right. last week, um, is staggering and they're going to, they, they just do every, they do everything wrong that they possibly can. It's, so in where they had a perfect storm in 2016, they have now created an avalanche of bad will towards themselves through no fault other than their own. Um, it's their own doing. They will have been their own demise we just need to make sure that people show up on November third, and and the polls are taken seriously. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 worth reiterating that this whole sort of we have to live with it, we have to go back to work because of the economy is is another really great example of how this administration can't see beyond one step. Because if, it's, well, it's, 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 it's intellectually it's, dishonest. It's, it's not true. It's, it's bad policy. Well, I honestly think that 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 Trump believes that if we force everybody to go back to work, it will help in the election because they, he doesn't understand he doesn't, under, he doesn't doesn't understand exponential life. spread. He doesn't understand, you know what I mean? Like yeah, people I mean, go week, back to work and 10% of the workforce, um, I mean, the, the death rate's at like 6.8% now, I right. think for an individual when 6% of the workforce that goes back dies, that's not good for the economy either. And, people and it's a it. national tragedy. Like, and, I mean, as recently as, this week he's still on this thing about like it's just going to disappear it's just going to disappear yeah and that is our federal strategy yeah. and that's horrifying and again our, yeah because of the situation <laughs> because of the reality ears. of life in 2020 with this pandemic there's no sports people that don't have historically wouldn't have paid attention to anything on a granular level politically that are bored to tears of it that hate it so much two things are happening one he's so insane and he's such a jackass that they have to pay attention all the time because at any point he can say something so beneath the station of trying to be a leader especially at a time of crisis when empathy and understanding and security are really really necessary that they have to pay attention to all of the craziness and there's nothing to distract them from it so people that wouldn't have had a dog in the right. fight people that stayed home in 2016 people that would protest vote otherwise because they don't take things seriously are now thrust into the arena and they're paying attention and they're seeing the reality of the situation. And that is all a nightmare for this administration because they can't get anything and right. It's insane too, because when you, 
obviously we all know about Donald Trump calling himself a wartime president, which is ridiculous for a number of reasons that are so stupid I don't care to get into. But there was some truth to that in that this pandemic is 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 a kind of war. And when you look at re-election of uh, incumbents, especially in, in wartime situations, they never lose. You never lose. So if he had actually worked on handling the coronavirus in a, in a, in a scientific and formed way, and he had done things like continued to disperse uh, federal stimulus payments to make sure people felt like they were doing okay, he, he would have won. That, that's all he had to do. He didn't have to cure corona. He just had to make sure that the people who couldn't go to work were taken care of and that he was seen as making some sort of progress against the fight of this unknown enemy or unseen To me, enemy it comes down to this. If there was an ounce of competency in the federal response and there was a dash of even feigned empathy for the situation yep. that Americans are facing now, he would have won yep. and they couldn't even do that. All right, look, that was fun. And that was our first show. This is the Fake Out Pod. Share it if you like it. Let other people know. That's the the biggest thing you can do to help this out. Tell us where you disagree with us. um, And we'll just try and be better. Because, you know, we're flawed human beings. And again, like we uh, sort of uh, tie back to the the very beginning, this is is a lot about uh, socialization and conversation. And and that's sort of, this is meant to be sort of a prompt. Yeah, absolutely. That's, That's really the goal here. We're at pod underscore fake on Twitter and at fake out pod one word on instagram you can find our bios there see you next time Bye.